the customers really are just seeking to learn more a lot of times. So I feel that is a best way to comfort them rather than I feel right now sometimes they had to go to a third-party platform and search for the same product, and as a result, they end up getting distracted and sometimes purchase products from other brands because they just couldn't find the right information. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. There has been a fascinating debate happening about the future of live shopping. Is it going to catch on in the U.S.? And if so, will it ever reach the level of excitement and adoption that we've seen in China? And what's been interesting for me personally is seeing all of the different actions that platforms and solution providers are taking in order to drive that adoption. And granted, we've seen a, a shuffling of new developments from the key social platforms like Instagram, TikTok, others that are all trying to get their stake in the social commerce game. But there's a whole other category of solutions that are allowing merchants to create these live shopping experiences on their branded e-commerce site. So that's a whole other debate. Like, do we do it through a platform? Do we do it through e-commerce site? And most of all, do we build these capabilities in-house, or do we use a solution? So I wanted to bring someone in that is really immersed in this big conversation right now, and is helping create a solution to make the whole process easier, especially for smaller and fast-growing brands. So Frostly is the founder and CEO of Social Chat, and she has an incredible history in tech. We'll get into that first thing, but I loved hearing her perspectives on what makes the live shopping model work. What do merchants need? In order to position themselves for success, and a lot of it really comes down to strategy. I think there's a big debate around does this model work, but I think the bigger debate should be around do we have a strategy that fits this model. So again, we'll get into that as well, among many other things, because. Frost has a very enlightening、uh, viewpoint of what's happening in the space, and honestly, it was just really interesting to hear how Social Chat specifically is trying to create a viable solution, not just for the merchants, but of course for the customers as well. Listen, and I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Frost, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you. Thanks for having me. So you have held roles at some of the most recognizable names in tech. That's part of the reason I'm so excited to have you on the show and hear more about the work that you're doing now. I mean, you've worked for companies like Twitter, to Pinterest, to Wish, and of course now Social Chat, which we'll get into in a second. But I have to ask, what do you love so much about being in this big, busy, sometimes crazy world of tech? Honestly, this is amazing, Alicia. When I took my first job, I just felt it is so cool. Everything you do can impact so many people at once because of technology. That makes me keep going. Yeah, I could imagine it's incredible to just like create something that has such a significant impact on not just individuals, but like how the entire world operates, right? And like 
for Twitter, it's like how people communicate and share information for, you know, Pinterest, how people share ideas. And of course, for Wish, it's how people shop, right? And I do want to kind of get into your role at Wish for a little bit because you were their first hire in the growth side of the business. And, you know, we're hearing a lot about growth roles, growth teams now. And you helped build a cross-functional team of about 30 people from scratch, which is no easy undertaking, I could imagine. Was there anything from this experience that reaffirmed for you that you maybe wanted to be a founder or start your own business? Because I feel like you can like doing the work, but being a manager, growing a team, like that's a completely different art and science. So did that help support or make the case for you at all? I think actually it's from the other angle. When I was building a function, I wish I just completely thought about this is so great, you know, wish so to users in 70 different countries speaking in 40 different languages. And it's all only achievable because we use machine learning and technology. And I was just thinking about what if we can make this kind of solution for any kind of e-commerce stores that they don't have to have a big engineering team and a big machine learning support for that. So I think that definitely inspired me want to create a solution for smaller or like just in general e-commerce stores. Got it, got it. So that was kind of the tipping point that made you want to get into creating something for merchants specifically? Like, I guess my question is like, when did that bug or itch to create something for retail really come to the forefront for you? Because I feel like there are these larger solution providers that serve like various categories, but it seems like social chat is is kind of leaning into the brand and retailer sides of things. So was there a particular point in time where you're like, oh, actually retail is really fascinating and I want to dig a little bit deeper into that. So like, what did that journey look like for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think I was really lucky that I saw the side of running the business and grow the users I wish. And after I left the company, I started advising different kinds of e-commerce brands. And that's a moment I realized these brands are so awesome. Uh, they source uh, the products from the other side of the world and like, really making them really, really cool. The only thing is just they need like marketing help or growth help to go to market, to keep their customers, to comfort their users, or to even educate their customers why this is the right solution. So I just started thinking, instead of they all hiring their own engineering team, building the solution, it should just be a solution offered to them and they can focus on product development and all the cool things they have already been doing. So I think that was the tipping point. Got it, got it. So you kind of looked at this from the beginning of, from the merchant side, actually, like, okay, I want to do this really cool thing, right? I really want to create this great digital shopping or inspiration type experience. But like the conundrum is like, do I outsource it or do I build a team, which costs a lot of money? So you're you're trying to close that gap for them by making it easier for them to outsource it. But was there anything else that kind of inspired you to start social chat? Like, did you think anything was particularly missing from the tech landscape or any specific challenges you were hoping to address. I always love to hear like the backstory of how founders come up with specific ideas and bring them to market. Yeah, absolutely. I think there was a really big shift over the last two years, not only because of the pandemic, but also because Apple and Google 
they made a lot of changes around the privacy policies of their users. So for advertisers, it got harder and harder to get the information of their users from third-party platforms. I can give you an example. So before you visit a store and then the internet kind of just knows exactly what you visit and everywhere you go, you are seeing exactly the same ads, exactly the same content. And Google and Apple is making it really, really hard and basically going to be completely impossible after Google stopped their support of third-party cookies in Chrome next year. So basically, instead of relying on these third-party platforms to track their users, now is really the time for the retailers and the brand to directly connect with their customers, directly really building the community on their website instead of only on the third-party platforms. So really, there is a need out there for the brands to keep their customers around at this time. We're definitely going to dig into that because, you know, that's definitely a a conversation that we've been seeing accelerate and heat up a little bit as of late. But before we get too deep into the nuances and the intricacies of social chat, like at a high level, let's break it down for, you know, the listeners right now. Like, what are the objectives of social chat and what is kind of the value proposition or core solutions that are a part of the company? Yeah, absolutely. We make it super easy to make the customers feel as they were shopping in the store. From the in-store or like on the e-commerce store, live shopping experience to all the video-driven shopping experience wherever they go to a different product page or learning more about the different services on the website, they will see relevant content automatically recommended to them based on their shopping behaviors and what they were looking for. So that's our core offering. Very interesting. So, I mean, I I really want to ask you because obviously we've been covering so much about social commerce, what all of the different platforms are doing, how they're really trying to turn these points of inspiration into points of conversion or or intent to convert. So I I just want to get your just honest take as far as where social commerce is today, and I guess what the challenges are, because I feel like the big discussion now is like, okay, there is potential for social commerce and live shopping. We've seen it in China. Like, why isn't it picking up steam in like the US, right? Like that's like the big headline. Are there any particular pain points or issues that you're kind of seeing like as someone who, you know, knows tech, is building this solution for the market? Like what are the key things that you're noticing? Yeah, absolutely. I think social commerce is a really broad umbrella. Uh, I would like to call it more about like just a really personalized shopping experience. And I would say for most of the shopping platforms, like either at Wish or even if you go to say Nordstrom, different people when they log in, they actually see completely different shopping experiences, all the way from the products showing to them to the explanation videos related to the products to even sometimes like the sizes, they remember what you have been wearing before, what you had purchased last time. So this is almost a no-brainer in my honest opinion. Like that should be there, right? Like why would you recommend the same thing for everyone? And the social component is what makes it good because if I, I walk into the store the very first time, the store knows nothing about me, but it knows 
things about me from the people who are similar to me, right? That's why when you are seeing other people leaving reviews, other people are asking similar questions, right? Like on a live shopping show, you'll be like, oh, this person just asked exactly what I want to know, right? Because this person is similar to me. Or even sometimes you don't even realize, oh, this is actually really a good feature for me, but other similar people were chiming in. So I feel it's just a natural human shopping behavior, to be honest, when we have that just naturally. But the true question is like what you were saying, how do we migrate this experience online in the most seamless way, right? So I always like to make analogy of a social shopping experience is basically you just make users feel like there is a sales representative who is basically invisible and there are all the shoppers just around and shopping in the stores and also invisible but somehow they saw what you were doing and all the recommendations and all the comments is automatically populated to you as you were browsing the website. That's very interesting. So with that in mind, I mean, is it possible for us to kind of walk through what this kind of live experience looks like? Like it's hosted on the branded e-commerce site, right? Like does it amplify across different channels? Like, again, like the big discussion, I feel like especially for these live experiences is should it be on an external platform? Should it be owned and on the branded e-com site? So what does this look like for social chat? Like if there's a consumer that, say, wants to interact with this type of experience? And I mean, maybe we walk through a hypothetical or, or an example of, you know, what that journey looks like just to give people all of the uh, details. Absolutely. So just imagine you walk into a store, like you enter an e-commerce website. As you were just browsing around on each product page, the user will see the recommended videos that is relevant to them based on their browsing history. And they can either RSVP to an upcoming live event that is recommended to them or watch a video or a past live streaming event out there. And as they were signing up for the future events to learn more about this, the system also learned what they were interested in. So we automatically recommend them relevant products and relevant content they'll be interested in. So in other words, instead of showing them like, okay, what is next uh, just by Chronicle product launch, we show them what is relevant to them. And when they actually come to a live shopping experience, they can easily interact with the host, asking relevant questions, seeing what other people are talking, and they can shop right there while they are watching the stream. And all their shopping behavior is also shared with other participants so people can see, oh, a lot of people actually did purchase this product who just asked a very similar question like me. So that social proof also made users feel confident that that's the product for them and not making a purchase. And at the end, the brand learned about all the user behaviors and all their interests and all their actions in the analytics so they can continuously optimize for the content in the future for the users as well. So overall, the users get better and better experiences coming to the store. And that's how it reaches our final goal. One, better conversion. They make more purchases. Two, better loyalty. Because users actually do register an account on the store and they do come back 
not only for discounts, but for like new information and interesting content. Right. That's really interesting. So it's really like the magic of the live stream where you're interacting in real time with someone they're walking through, you know, a certain collection or a new product drop or must have items for fall, right? But then they also get content and video recommendations within this experience. So it's kind of like a hybrid of like live shopping or like the quote unquote QVC model, but also like a Netflix type streaming model, right? Like because then they can self-select and kind of dig into other content that is already available. So they can kind of choose their own journey. Am I getting all of that right? Exactly. So they can choose their own journey. And also for the brand, they learn about what the customers care as well. And then that's how they can continuously produce more interesting and more relevant content. Got it. Got it. Yeah, this is a really interesting, I think, added value layer to the entire conversation around like, what is social commerce done successfully, right? Or like, what is live shopping done successfully? And I think the one thing that keeps coming up is like, oh, like, how do you optimize or get the most value out of these investments? Or in this case, like, say, like a live shopping show, right? Or a product drop live stream. That's content that you spend all this time planning, promoting, executing, and then it's live. And then it's like, okay, well, now what? Like, that's content that can be reused and repurposed and like even shared technically across social channels to bring people to the live stream. So you're kind of tapping into one of the challenges that I feel like really are, it really exists right now that like everyone's just trying to create all of this content, but they're not really mapping it to this cohesive journey for the customer so they can really get the most value out of these investments that they're making because it costs a lot of time and money to create content. So it seems like you guys are fulfilling a really big need on the marketing side of things. Yeah, we definitely hope so. Especially, I really love one of the points you were making right there, that the customers really are just seeking to learn more a lot of times. So I feel that is a best way to comfort them rather than I feel right now, sometimes they had to go to a third-party platform and search for the same product. And as a result, they end up getting distracted. And sometimes purchase products from other brands because they just couldn't find the right information. Yeah, that's great. So you brought up data or metrics a few times, and that's definitely an area of interest for me because I feel like anytime people talk about social commerce or you know the impact of social advertising, everyone's response kind of varies depending on their goals, which is why it's so interesting, right? And why it's so important to have a sound strategy built around those goals that the brand has. So in the world of social chat, and because you offer such a range of opportunities to curate that content experience, I mean, are there any key metrics or KPIs that kind of rise to the top or that you try to encourage your customer base to focus on, like as they kind of start to map out what the strategy looks like for them? Or does it truly vary on a case-by-case basis and, and you try to limit it to like one-on-one recommendations. Yeah, absolutely. I think usually the customers care about two things. One is the direct conversion there. Like, do people get what they wanted to see and actually convert to the key actions? And two is, do users come back, right? So that's how it's a repeatable strategy out there. And that's the two numbers we really track. One is the purchase rate 
of all these video or live streaming events. Two is like we said, we continuously recommend all this evergreen content to customers afterwards. So we can see the lifetime impact of all this content. And the users who participate in this content, do they come back? Because the hypothesis is if they actually learn about the product for real, they become way more loyal customers. In our case studies, we were able to see like both results. And that's usually how we want our customers to focus on as well, to make sure their content is highly effective. Great. So, I mean, with that in mind, then, I would love to hear a little bit about just kind of what you've gleaned from your work with different customers, like around what has worked well, what hasn't worked well, even. I mean, I think the one fun thing about this space in particular is a lot of it's rooted in testing and learning, right? Like everyone's audiences respond differently to these experiences. A lot of the times it's a a completely new experience, right? Like everyone's just trying to get their footing and figure out what resonates and what doesn't. But in your time kind of building the company, working with clients, have there been any key best practices or key learnings that have kind of unfolded organically that you think are worth sharing? Yeah, absolutely. I think there are a few base practices I have observed from our partners. One is really just being very genuine. And I think that really goes through to the customers and they trust you more. And as a result, they end up purchasing more. And this can be either from the brand or even their influencer or their power users. I always like to raise one example. So there's a brand they invited one of their loyal customers who's already in his 80s, I believe, come to talk about anti-aging. And I still remember the phrase that gentleman was saying. He said, after I'm 60 years old, I don't really like to look into the mirrors anymore. However, after I started using their product, I look into the mirror every day. And that's such a cute comment. (laughs) It was totally out of script. But the conversion rate was so high at that very moment (laughs) because I think all the audience relate to that, right? Their anti-aging customers, I feel that. So it was really cool and that worked out really well. It was not like really big studio shooting uh, production, but it's just a really like genuine comment. Uh, Another thing that works really well, I think, is really do the live streaming with um, different kind of I would say like a co-host almost. So you bounce the ideas and you have a continuously conversation. So your customer learn more, not only from the brand's point of view, but also from like a third party. So from there, they also trust the information more. Like the, like the example I just put there. Something that I've observed in some of the live streaming that I felt that could be really work much better is sometimes we do like really really long streaming sessions so i don't know if you have ever watched any of those that worked really well in china or japan where people have like really long commute hours and then they are in public transportation so they can be like watching a stream for two hours but in the u.s we don't really have that time in commute and if we were driving they fundamentally couldn't really indulge the same so if you're having the key component like within one hour would be way more effective and also save the brand's time as well for doing the live streaming 
Yeah, I, I think that's a good point because I, I find it interesting that a lot of the platforms are, are really doubling down on short form video, which I get because of like the success that TikTok has seen and like that meme like culture that, you know, it, it supports, which is fine for certain messages, right? Or certain goals that you're trying to address. But in a case like this, where you're sharing a new product offering, or you're trying to show off how to style things, like you need a bit more meat to that, right? Like I think there's a good middle ground that people haven't yet tested where, you know, it gives that creative freedom to like dig into detail, to interact with the audience or your co-host, but it's still short enough where it's like, okay, you don't need to do like several hours of content just because, you know, you have the ability to. So I think that's a really, really strong takeaway that I would encourage everyone listening right now to take note of because like I'm a big proponent of like the message should guide the medium, not the other way around. Like start with a goal, start with your mission and the messaging that you want to put forth and then figure out your strategy from there, which I guess leads me to my close to final question for you, Frost, is we're at this juncture where I feel like a lot of brands are testing live shopping, live streaming, they're testing social commerce, or some are just like hanging back and like trying to see where all of this shakes out. Do you have any recommendations or thoughts for the folks listening right now that maybe want to get started, they want to try some things, but maybe don't quite know where to start? Yeah, absolutely. I really think for live shopping, it's a true connection with the customers. So just don't worry. I think a lot of the brands, like you said, were hesitant because they're worried about, I must find a perfect host who can do something that is just like super, super great at all times. But really, like the example I just pulled out, this 80-year-old customer, he barely knew how to use like technology, right? And he definitely doesn't really stream a lot. But that genuine input is what actually recomfort your customers. So if anything, I would say is don't worry about the production has to be perfect. I think live streaming actually is one form to make the video production appear to be like shorter, if that makes sense. You don't need like to rent a studio. You can just be sitting in your living room and have a direct conversation with your customers. And that already works out really well. That's great. Well, Frost, this has been so fascinating. I always love to hear firsthand from the folks that are like building these solutions and helping shape the future of the category because it can turn into a bit of noise, right? Like everyone has an opinion of like where the space is going and like what makes an effective strategy, but your team is actually helping build and implement these things. So it's been super insightful. But as we close things up, I do want to make sure we get on like a future of type point because there are so many many debates happening right now and there are so many new solutions and offerings and the space is definitely growing which is exciting so I'd love to hear from you like where do you think this world of live shopping is headed what is social chat more broadly or you as CEO you know focusing on as you strive to like build that education and that enablement for the retail industry? Yeah, absolutely. If you ask me, everyone talk about really like users moving online and go side more virtual. I think the future is e-commerce would get closer and closer 
to an in-person shopping experience. And that's where the live shopping goes. That's where the video shopping goes. And that's why Social Chat, we as a team strive to fulfill for our customers to make it easier to interact between customers and the brands and also really like use the content to personalize their shopping experiences. I truly believe that's like where the future lies because it's just so much more interesting for your shoppers. Excellent. Well, Frost, this has been a real joy getting to learn a little bit about you, get to learn a little bit more about social chat. Is there anything else that you know we haven't talked about yet? Like what's coming for social chat? What else you're focusing on? Again, it's just such an exciting space. Would love to hear what you have up your sleeve if you can share anything. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was a fantastic conversation. I learned a lot of insights from you as well. If anything, I'll just be like, well, if you have anything in doubt, how about you try out joining one of those video shopping events yourself as a brand and feel the feeling of the connection and see if you want to have the same thing for you and your customers. Awesome. Well, with that, Frost, again, really appreciate you taking the time out. And to all of you listening, if you have any follow-up questions for Frost or just want to have a little friendly discussion on social about the future of live shopping and where it's headed, and even if you've done live shopping in the past as a brand or even as an attendee, we'd love to hear what works or what doesn't from your perspective. So drop us a line on Twitter at our touchpoints or on LinkedIn at Retail Touchpoints. We would love to keep that conversation going. And if you like what you heard, please please leave us a rating or review on your preferred podcast player. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, frankly, anywhere else we are likely there. And be sure to subscribe. We're having weekly conversations with tech leaders, with retail executives, analysts, basically anyone in the retail industry. And we're always digging into the latest topics. So be sure to subscribe and get those new episodes as soon as they're available. But for now, that is it from us. We will see you next time, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.